Right now, it's on the next level. Are you on the level? Hmm? Ah! Who oh. got taken by what? Charlie and Claire. I think Ethan took them. Ethan took them? Yeah. Took them why? And who the hell's Ethan? I don't know. He wasn't on the listing. The manifest. You ever think he might have lied about his name? It's stupid to lie about your name. Alrighty, Tattoo. Where do you think Ethan came from? Maybe he was already on the island before we were. <laughs> Got yourself one hell of an imagination, kid. There could be lots of other people on the island. So a tribe of evil natives planted a ringer in the camp to kidnap a pregnant girl and a reject from VH1 has-beens. Yeah, fiendishly clever. And why am I getting the evening news from a six-year-old? I'm ten. Okay. Then it must be true. Welcome, everybody, as we head back to the island yet again. Uh, for another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, from the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from Podcastica, I am Kristen Howell. This episode, we continue on as we review and break down two more episodes of the first season of Lost. Episode 11, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. And episode 12, Whatever the Case May Be. Do you know what's funny is when I was going through my notes... And everything, and I was writing down the titles of the episodes. I noticed, I didn't notice until now the pun of the title of episode 12, whatever the case may be, because it's pretty much the entire episode is the case and what is in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't pick up on that until maybe a half hour ago. Oh. So, yet again, let's just keep a list. <laughs> Well, Didn't notice the pun, had no idea what shipping was. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's, it's, we're just going to keep the list, and because there's going to be more. Ben Beck knows we, nothing. <laughs> you know what? When, when we're finished with the Lost Rewatch, and we want to find a way to continue with the podcast, we'll pick another show, and we'll just retitle the podcast, Ben Knows Nothing. Yeah, I like that. And... <laughs> You know, because apparently that's what a lot of our listeners have said, too, is that just listen to Kristen. You'll be fine. It's <laughs> it's it's fine. So, um, yeah. But, you know, two eventful episodes. This is really where shit starts moving. Uh, yeah, with it's the starting first to season. pick up. Yeah. I, I mean, episode 11, I have a lot more notes for episode 11 than I do 12, but there's still a lot of stuff that happens in episode 12. Yeah. So that's what I was, uh, what, that's what we were talking about before we started recording was that, um, I, I have a, so many more notes for episode 11, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I just became really engrossed in episode 12 and I would just like write down a couple of words here and there. And then I actually went back afterwards and filled in a few blanks when I was done. Um, it's just because I just, I loved every, I just liked everything that was happening. You know, there were so many different things that were happening. Like, um, I forget which episode it was in. Hang on. Oh no, that was in episode 11. Um, 
I did like from episode 12 how John Locke had one of his Lockisms where, you know, he said the easiest way isn't always the best. I just loved, I, I love that. I think that pe- we, people should live by that line. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you as far as like the note taking. Like I only wrote down maybe one or two words for, for each note. And I figure as we start talking about them, I'll remember more of what I want to say on them. But, you know, as far as episode 12 goes, I don't, I, I was, like you engrossed in the episode, but I feel like where some of the other episodes, we, we kind of really break down everything. Episode 12, the story that was being told for the most, for most of the episode was still pretty straightforward, uh, which is something we, we haven't seen yet in the show. You know, there's a case. We want to know what's in the case and. At the end, we find out what's in the case. It's and everything in between is basically just a game of keep away with the case. Well, I guess so. I mean, I don't think I would necessarily agree with all of that just because we have some really great uh, character development with Rose and Charlie. And then we have the beginnings of Saeed and Shannon. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not right. But what I'm saying is, is like those those were probably my what I was more interested in aside from the game of keep away yeah because you know what in all honesty a lot of the a lot of the notes that i have you're absolutely right there's not many as far as what's going on with kate jack sawyer and the case every a a majority of my notes are as you said charlie and rose saeed and claire um and something very interesting which is actually my number three which we'll get to in a minute but let's get right into it then. Yeah. Well, let's uh, first real quick, as we usually do, just talk about the format of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, two episodes <laughs> of Lost. <laughs> no, we're so ready to jump right into it. Uh, two episodes of uh, of Lost covered in every podcast. Podcasts are released on the first first and 15th of every month. So you're hearing this one on the 15th of August and our next one will be September 1st. Uh, and of course, we're still working on hopefully having conversations with some of the cast. When you, if we get them arranged, you'll most likely hear them in between seasons. So when we're done wrapping up season one, we will, we'll hopefully have an interview with somebody from the cast and then we'll, we'll jump into season two. But I also do want to mention to any of our listeners that are out there, you and I had a conversation about this not too long ago and it was very quick. It was like, do we want to bring on guests again? Sure. That was our conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, this is open to, um, people who want to hop in and start talking about the show with us. Uh, now that we've kind of flowed into the season a little bit and we're, you know, moving on and, and we're we're chugging right along um if you have any interest of being on with us and talking about the episode please reach out to us and let us know we'll give you all the details on how you can reach out to us at the end of the podcast so stick around after the discussions and you can hear all those ways and basically just tell us who you are why you're a fan of the show what you enjoy about our podcast and your favorite episode of the season. And that's just the first of many hoops you'll have to go through to <laughs> Well, of <laughs> to course we'll need like yeah, we'll need like last four social <laughs> uh your current balance in your savings account. Perfect. Well, that one yeah. I need more than anything else. <laughs> well, you need the last four of the social in order to access the the, the savings account, so that's why I No, I, I just like to that. know the potential of all of my presents. Oh, there we go. Oh my gosh, I sound so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Let's jump into things. Okay. Um, And if it's all right, 
I want to start off Please do. this time uh, with my number three. And my number three actually does happen to hap- uh, does come from episode 12, uh, whatever the case may be. Has nothing – I lie. I was going to say has n- – well, it has nothing to do with the case, but it does have to do with Kate. This is the first time that I can remember. And this is one of those things that you only pick up on when you do a rewatch. Your first time through, this is something – it, it, you would have just gone right past it and you would have never even known. This is the first instance of the numbers that we're getting. Oh, I know what you're going to say. When we, when the hatch is discovered, which we'll talk about, uh, you know, in episode 11, uh, you know, we get the four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. We know what they total up to, which is 815, which is also the flight number. And, once you realize what the numbers are, you notice the references constantly throughout the show. But this is the first time we get any of those numbers other than the flight number, and that is safety deposit box 815. Uh, I'm curious. I, I, I don't think it's coincidence. There's nothing that's coincidence when it comes to this show. The writers made this as an Easter egg that you would never have picked on picked up on until you went back and rewatched. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. So my number three is very quick. Again, not really much to talk about as far as it, but this is the first instance of the numbers that we're getting, which is really interesting. I didn't know when the first time was, but uh, I think we found it. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. I forget about the numbers and then, and then, well, I'm sure it'll be a huge part in the coming seasons, right? But in the very beginning, you don't really catch on to it. That's for sure. That's a good one. Well, yeah, because again, we don't even, we don't see the numbers until a little bit later on in this season. Right. And it's closer to the end of the season that we finally realize what the numbers are. And I think it's in a Hurley backstory that we, we discover the numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Hurley, so. Hurley's backstory and the hatch are very closely knitted together. Yes, they are. Uh, but, you know, since there's really not a lot to talk about with mine, uh, what's your number? Um, well, so I actually had it um, as my number one, but it, it's not my number one. So I'll just do my it as my number three. But it's it's Jack. It's I, I put Jack is the worst. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just the beginning of this of this series. He just is not a great character. And I think it's just because maybe he was Matthew Fox. Maybe he's because he was dreamy or maybe because, you know, everybody has some sort of like hero worship or something early on, but he's not a good guy. I mean, his pride is always getting in the way. He's hot headed. Um, he doesn't learn from second guessing Claire's attack and he second guesses Saeed right away when he talks, when Saeed comes back and talks about the others and he just automatically just like pushes to the side, anything that Saeed's saying, cause it doesn't sound right. You know, he bullies Locke and he yells at Kate during the whole hunt. And then he completely disrespects Kate with the case. I mean, there, there's an envelope that says personal effects and he opens it and give it to her. He had no right to do that. It wasn't his business. He got the guns. She said that there were guns in it. So I thought that it was a nice quid pro quo, prid, quid pro quo for, for <laughs> him to help her, right? Please help me get this case. It's my case. It's, you know, well, 
it has my things in it. You know, what business was it of Jack's to do anything with with what was in there? I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate and do I do agree with, I do agree with you for the most part that he is, you know, he, he's not a likable character at this point, but you have to, you know, if you look back at everything up until this point too, Kate herself has not been exactly the most trustworthy of people. Um, we already know she's a criminal. She's tried to pull some shady shit already at this point. And not only that, but you know, Jack was willing to help her get the key that was buried, but when you pull that shit of the of the sleight of hand to get the key, there's obviously something more to this case that she is lying about. So I can kind of understand where he's coming from of wanting to be there and opening the case. He could have very easily taken that key, opened the case by himself, and not given a damn about Kate even being there. So the fact that he still lived up to his word and opened the Kate with her, and he even says that, like, that's what we said we would do. Um, I think he's kind of in the right. There. I don't think so. I, You know what? I, I think he said that's what we said what we'd do, not as an honor thing, but just like like acting like her parent or her abusive parent or, or her abusive boyfriend or something, because I don't, I don't think that she's been untrustworthy to Jack yet. I, I think that she's, you know, she's stepped up and she's been a leader and she's helped. And if she wants some secrets, then she's allowed some secrets. I mean, he, he has his own secrets of, of why he's doing what he's doing. Not to mention that, um, Oh shoot. I was going somewhere with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Kristen. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not to mention that he is completely disinterested in the census that Hurley has created. So if he really wants to, if he thinks it's his business to know about everybody, then he should know about everybody. But he doesn't care. He didn't even believe that that there was somebody that wasn't on the manifest and didn't seem too bothered by it. The only thing well, he was and, bothered uh, by was the fact that, you know, he was wrong about about what Claire said. And and I'm glad that you brought that up too, because that's actually one of my notes is that it, it, Jack is very hypocritical in this episode in that he finally comes to terms, uh, you know, with Claire. He didn't believe Claire at first. And then, you know, now he's chasing after her because, you know, she said that somebody was trying to take the baby and he didn't believe her. And now he's trying to make up for it, but yet he still won't believe Locke and every, and Saeed when they're trying to tell him there are other people on this Island. Like it's okay for you to suddenly believe in one thing, but you're not even willing to listen to these other theories that are going on there as well. Especially when Ethan is a prime example that there are other people on this island. You have a walking, talking example that Saeed and Locke are right, and yet you still won't listen to them. Right, right. Oh, and and there's the French woman that Saeed was clearly taken by, you know, and um, which is backed up by the 16-year-long message. So, yeah. So what was your number two? My number two – oh, God, it's his <sighs> – it's tough. I, I gotta save the other one for my number one. I have to. Um, again, it's another moment in the show that I absolutely loved. And it's, there's deep, it's, there's a lot of deeper meaning to it that again, you don't pick up on because you would only get it in through a rewatch. And those were some of my favorite moments about this, about these episodes. So that's one of the things that I, I'm going to bring up. Mm-hmm. This is episode 11. 
Uh, all the best cowboys have daddy issues, mm-hmm. or as I call it, aka episode two of Daddies or Dicks, <laughs> which I brought up in the, <laughs> the last episode of the podcast. Uh, and it is basically, very simply, a game of backgammon. And there is a game of backgammon uh. that happens <laughs> between Hurley and Walt, in which there is two very interesting things that are going on in this game that you don't realize. I know one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's the best one. There's obviously something deeper to Walt. And it's something that unfortunately, spoiler alert, is never really explained before this show ends. Uh, and that is there's there's something more to Walt. Walt has some kind of ability and it's never really addressed. They explore it a little bit in flashbacks. But again, it's one of those unanswered questions of the show. He's constantly rolling the dice and he's getting all the rolls that he wants. And he strikes it up to luck. But it's not. There's something more to it. And I wish we could say what it was, but we still don't know. Mm-hmm. The other half of that, though, is when <laughs> Early loses the game, walks away. And Walt says, but you still owe me $20,000. It's like, you'll get it. And you know that he will. Well, you don't at that point. Well, right, 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 right. But now we do. I have that in my notes, too. (laughs) (laughs) Because we know through backstories to Hurley, there's a lot more to Hurley as well. So A lot more. Again, my number two, just simply put, is a... Game of backgammon. I like it. And I, I, I promise you my number one is more detailed and more conversational, but I, I had to get those two out of the way because they were just two of my, my favorite things from these two episodes. I did like, I, I had that, um, the Hurley losing $20,000 to Walt as <laughs> to Walt. one of my notes because I just thought it was great because he just seems, he, like, Hurley's just like, don't worry, dude, you're going to get it. I'll get, I'll get, get it, it to you. <laughs> like, it was just a matter of fact. And, you know, I yeah I I can't wait until we finally get some Hurley business. I know, and because he's he's one of my favorite characters from this. He's in my top three of favorite characters from this show. So I I can't wait till we we can start exploring that mm-hmm. um, more. And I know one of the episodes that I'm pretty sure we'll have a guest on, uh, which is also a back a Hurley backstory is Trisha Tanaka is dead. So. I can't remember what season that is, though. I don't think it's till season two. It's season three. It's season three. Okay, so it's even further. Yeah. So we will have a um, very special guest. I'm looking forward to that uh, one for too. Trisha Tanaka is dead. I'm excited about it. Yeah, uh, but what about you? What about what's your number two? So my number two was. Um, hang on, where did it go? Here it is. Uh, where Shannon begins to be useful. Um. You know, Shannon has been a prima donna, man. She's just been tanning and complaining and reading, you know, waterlogged magazines and being kind of useless and, um, I don't know, real housewifey, you know. Um, And this episode, you know, Boone just outright calls her useless and, you know, um, kind of tells her that he wants to start doing something and he wants to be part of things here. And, and, uh, you know, whatever he says, strikes something in, um, strikes something in Shannon because she decides, uh, when Saeed comes up to her to actually 
do something about it. And, you know, she has no confidence in herself. And that's very clear when she's trying to decipher the French. You know, she knows that she's supposed to be looking for something mathematical and she's not getting that. And Saeed's getting angry. But Saeed gets very gentle with her and, and he and he encourages her very softly. You know, he says, I, I, I know you can do this. You can do this. And I don't think anybody's ever really said that to Shannon before. Um, you know, she's just always been kind of raised to be kind of a trophy and kind of just a to the side, put put to the side as just a pretty face and a nice figure. And Saeed, I think, is the first one that kind of treats her like she can do something. And um and then we get to learn a little bit about um Shannon and and then you learn at the very end that she's she can sing, you know. I loved it when she sang La Mer at the end. I thought that was very sweet and it, it touched Saeed and pissed off Boone and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that that look, that death look that he's given them at the end of that episode is just man, that's like I don't want to be on the other end of that stare. And we're going to learn more about Shannon and Boone in the next episode. Um, and why that stare is the way that it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that I was not expecting to come from their backstory. No. But we'll, we'll talk about yeah, that a little bit more next episode. Very, very different. Um but yeah, I, I really, I just enjoyed learning a little bit about Shannon because this is where Shannon starts to become bearable uh, when we start to begin her arc with Saeed and um, they, they become, you know, my favorite part of the the early seasons, right? That the early lost is Shannon and Saeed. Uh, yeah. So I, I got really excited that we got to see the beginning of them this week. It's really weird when it comes to the Boone and Shannon dynamic, too, because Boone is, up until this point, was more of the favorite of the two of them. Like you said, you know, Shannon was more of an object than a person, and Saeed's the first person to kind of treat her the opposite, you know, as right. more of a person than an object. Um, but, you know, Boone was always, even though he was still kind of a douchebag, he was more likable than Shannon because they portrayed Shannon very well as being that useless person mm -hmm. and the diva that you mentioned. But this is kind of the first point where it that the scale kind of tends to balance out, where we start to appreciate Shannon a little bit more, and it is thanks to Saeed, and she's now kind of on the same level as Boone, and it's interesting as the episodes go forward how that kind of, that scale kind of tips. And Shannon is kind of looked at a little bit in higher regard than Boone is. Uh, that doesn't end well for Boone, but we'll get to that, you know, a little bit later. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good number two. I, I like that you. one. I like that one as well. And which leads us into our number ones. And this will be interesting because I know I think we have similar number ones. <sighs> is yours from episode 11 or 12? 11. So is mine. Okay. Um, this will be interesting because uh, there could be a lot that goes into the discussions of this. Because there are a lot of things I wrote down for episode 11. But mm -hmm. just the same as your number three was one word, so is mine for number one. And? Charlie. Ah, oh gosh, yes. This was honestly – and it's so weird because – even though I've seen this episode multiple times, 
I still relive some of the emotion I had the first time I watched it. I cried. It, watching it this time? Yes. It, it, it I, I will freely admit. And now the tears admit, in my eyes, like, cried. <laughs> I, I freely admit, I bawled my eyes out the first time I saw this episode. Because this is the first time we're, cause I don't, I don't count the marshal. He's not one of the, the main group. This is the first time we're led to believe we're losing one of the cast members. Mm-hmm. And for a short period, we did. Like, Charlie's gone. And there's more to, this is one of those moments where I feel like Jack's hero complex was good. Because he did not give up on Charlie. And I remember that moment where Kate's telling Jack he's gone, he's gone, like, and, and, you know, telling him to stop. And, like, crying because I'm like, I've already so followed his character and now he's gone. Like, this is not fair. Like, why is this show doing this? And this is before Game of Thrones started doing this. If it was Walking Dead, (laughs) Charlie would have been dead. Oh, yes. Or Game of Thrones. He would have already been gone. They would have walked away and had a drink by now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I just remember, too, when Jack doesn't give up and he just starts going back to pounding on Charlie's chest and Charlie gasps gasps that Mm -hmm. breath of that breath and comes back. The happiness that they had, I still had tears, but they were happy tears. This is one of I pride the character of Charlie for being two of the most emotion for being involved in two of the most emotional moments from both of these episodes. Um, you know, and since your your number one is from episode eleven as well, I can mention that too. the The moment with Charlie and Rose in episode twelve, yes, when Charlie finally breaks down and like. Oh God, I'm getting choked up now. Just starts crying. And he, like, he's letting himself be vulnerable again. Like, he shut himself down up until this point. Those are two of the most emotional moments in these two episodes. And Charlie's part of both of them. Well, and we still don't really know what Charlie went through. You know? I mean, he barely remembers it. I mean, all he, all he can say is they just wanted Claire. All they want, they were only, uh, they only wanted Claire and he kept saying they, so he's been somewhere and he's seen more than Ethan, yeah. which is a great clue, right? They only wanted Claire, but I'm sure Jack thinks that he's just traumatized and you know, that there's nothing really to that. And Claire's probably, you know, making flower crowns in the <laughs> forest. Well, well, of course he thinks Charlie's just traumatized because he thought Claire was just having nightmares. I mean, <laughs> Uh, Saeed was seeing things in the jungle. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean, on that note, too, Saeed's also the one that said, like, no, it was just the wind playing games with me. But I think that's just him blowing smoke up Jack's ass. You know, like, you don't believe me anyway, so it it, it is what it is. I'm not even going to try with you, sucker. (laughs) Exactly. But, yeah, but that that whole moment of finding Charlie and going through just – all of that emotion of believing we've lost Charlie and then Charlie coming back and then seeing a broken Charlie f- pretty much throughout the rest of the episode into the next couple episodes, as a matter of fact, because he's had that breakdown moment in episode 12, but he is nowhere close to right at this point. He is still going through a trauma. 
Right, 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 right. No, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, I, I, what do you think? I had this thought that maybe Jack wouldn't give up on Charlie because, um, because he thinks that he was only hanging from that tree because Jack refused to listen to Ethan. Um, oh, I, I fully believe that's part of it. You know, Jack, Ethan was like, I'm going to kill one of them. You know, stop stop going after me or I'm going to kill one of them. And and I think that in he meant that in both instances. If you stop going after me, you know, I won't have to, you know, if, if, if Jack keeps going after Charlie and then gets Claire, you know, there is a chance that the baby won't be born. Right. I mean, Ethan's whole purpose was to get Claire to where Claire needs to be. Right. Mm. And so Ethan's like a dog with a bone right now. He took Charlie because Charlie kind of came along with the package. And now he's got these people coming up on him and he comes back to Jack. He's like, leave me alone. Get away. And of course, he's a horrible human being. Right. But, um, you know, Jack was like, no, I'm going to still go after him. And he was relentless. And it ended up that him not listening to Ethan has Charlie hanging from a tree. And so, you know, that goes back to the flashback where, you know, he let his dad kind of run the show with the dead patient until he realized that the, that the patient was pregnant. And then he goes back and he makes it right, you know, because yeah. he let he let his dad run basically kill this patient, you know, or, or run this patient into the ground. And then he let his dad kind of control him afterwards and clean up the mess. I mean, those two stories, you know, and, and I like how Lost does that, but these two stories go so hand in hand with just kind of the, the, the psyche of Jack during this entire sequence, um, that you really kind of feel for the guy because he's so upset over, I don't know, this happening again or something like that, you know, and it's good because like you said, he didn't give up. He kept going with with Charlie and um, saved him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's funny that you bring up that whole story with Jack and everything. And I hope I'm not stepping on your number one. I don't no, know you're, you're not. OK, but, I, I, you know, I constantly said it. I've said it over multiple, multiple episodes, uh, you know, about Jack's hero complex. And I think. Everything that we saw in the backstory of Jack in episode 11 with everything that happened with Christian and him covering for his father and then, you know, changing his statement and, and such um, after finding out that the, the victim was pregnant and that was something that he didn't know. I think this is actually the origin of Jack's hero complex in that he knows a mistake was made. And Jack is kind of at that point now where after seeing everything and seeing all that and going through all that, he kind of comes to not trust his father when it comes to being a doctor. It's one of the reasons why he's willing to change his statement, even though it's going to cost his father his his medical practice, his license. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is one of those moments that I think Jack at that point on is just deciding if things have if things are going to be done right, I have to do them myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the origin of the hero complex with Jack is that he feels like if somebody needs to be saved or if something needs to be done, I have to be the one to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to be done right or mistakes are going to be made. Well, that's that's just OCD and controlling behavior. Yeah. Which goes right on along your point of Jack, Jack is just is not worst. a good person. <laughs> Jack is the worst. <laughs> so but yeah, he's he's just you're right. I mean, he. 
don't get me wrong. I, I've, I grow to love Jack by the end of this series, but you're right. In the beginning of this series, all through episode, season one, he's in denial. He doesn't believe a lot of people. He's got OCD and a hero complex. He's a bully. He, yeah. He's, you know, I mean, you look at the, the, the intimidation that he did with Sawyer mm-hmm. to get the, to get the case in episode 12. You know, when he walks up to him and he says, like, you know, so what are we going to fight about this? And Jack's like, no, you're going to give it to me. And he threatens him by withholding medication. I know. That's a bully tactic. I know. I, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, but still, like, but come were on they now. Really that's really that desperate? Was no, it, I mean, I mean, you know, that, but that's the thing is like, we weren't in that, they weren't in that desperate of a situation. That case was not going to get opened. It just wasn't. No, because Sawyer very obviously couldn't do it. Right. So just wait till he's asleep, you know, like asleep asleep or, you know, bide your time a little bit. I mean, there's nothing in there that's rotting. You didn't know that the case was in existence until you went swimming and you're looking for a little toy plane, you know, so just cool your jets, wait, you have the key and just sit on it for a little bit. Yeah. And you look at the differences, too, in that Jack is threatening Sawyer by withholding medication to get a case that could be opened at any point. And then there's Hurley, who does the diplomatic thing to get a manifest for the betterment of the group. Mm -hmm. You know, look at the dynamic between the two of them when it comes to interactions with Sawyer. Right. And it's you're right. I mean, Jack is just at this point. He's not. He's well, and he just and he and he just a few episodes ago he tortured Sawyer for not handing over medication for Shannon. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The more and more I look at it, and and I think I I think I look at Jack now with rose colored glasses because of how much I've I grew to love his character by the end, and I I kind of look at him now and I can kind of look past everything. But the more you look deeper into the character in the beginning, you're right. He's just not a a likable character at all. But so, he's so uh, dreamy. <laughs> really? Uh, Over Sawyer swimming in a whirlpool or swimming in a pond with a waterfall? Uh, with his jeans on. Who I swims know. in jeans? Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever worn wet jeans? Like you feel oh, like yeah. you're a hundred pounds heavier. Yeah. It's the most awkward and horrible thing. I, I, I just, I, just I did, did not I, understand I, it. I watched that scene and I find it funny that between the two of them, Kate is the one to take her pants off and Sawyer goes swimming in jeans. I know. <laughs> so. And the whole time I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, Ben's going to make fun of me for this, but who swims in jeans? <laughs> no, I'm not going to make fun of you. I agree <laughs> with you. I've been I've been pushed into pools wearing jeans and sneakers and it sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> it's horrible. And it's like those are his only clothes. Dude, you, those jeans are never going to be dry. You're on an island that's <laughs> probably hot and humid and it rains all the time. Like keep your clothes dry, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um all right, so what about you? What is your number one of so my- of the episodes? My number one was just the hunt. I called it the hunt, hunt for Claire and Charlie, right? And you have these two, you have these four people that went. You have Locke, Boone, Jack, and Kate. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the first part of the hunt is just everybody trying to slow Jack down, right? I mean, Locke has obviously got a plan, and Jack is just this rabid dog, for lack of a better 
term. And, you know, I mean, Locke's like, you could tell Locke's tired. He's just as focused, but he's tired. Yeah, he's going to he's going to sit. He's going to rest. He's going to take a minute. So, you know, because I mean, Jack looks like he's going to die at any moment. Right. So they decide to when, when the trail goes into two directions, they decide to take two different directions and split up uh, into groups. And I noticed that both of these groups had different agendas really in the end. And Locke and Boone were kind of moving by faith and Jack and Kate were moving by evidence. And um, it it's so interesting because Locke is very faith-based in everything that he does on the island. And Jack is very evidence-based because he's a doctor. He's very scientific when it comes to everything on the island. And those, those, um, those personality quirks or, or traits stay with these two characters for the rest of the time. And, um, you know, Locke said well, something very interesting. Well, hang on. Yeah. So, so Locke said something really interesting that got me thinking about it when he said, when Boone's like, where are we going? You know, and he's like, can't you feel it? I mean, you could feel it. You, it, I, I can feel that that we're somewhere. And, you know, you can make an argument that he was feeling the uh, the pulse of the hatch. Right. Yeah. Which is possible. But they found the hatch. They they go on this like I think they stopped. He stopped looking for for Claire and Charlie when they split off. I think he was on the hunt for something else. He didn't need Boone. He tried to get Boone to go back. It wasn't important for Boone to be there. Uh, but, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, come along. And, um, you know, they found this bigger treasure and the, kind of the next level of the story and, 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 a, and a deeper uh, question to the mystery of the island, which, you know, I'm sure that's what Locke has been looking for anyways is the answer. I mean, the guy can walk all of a sudden. He knows that he, they're somewhere special. You know, and the discovery of the hatch is kind of the ground zero of the island's biggest mystery anyways. Right. I mean, it's the the hatch plays a very pivotal role in the island itself. Um, you know, then you look at Jack and Kate and they're following Charlie's uh, tape and, and his markers or whatever. And they, they find Charlie. They find Ethan. They were on the right trail the whole time. Um, you know. It's because Jack took the scientific and evidence-based path that he was able to find Charlie and resuscitate him and bring him back to life. There was a reason Jack went down that road, you know? Locke, if Locke had taken that road and found Charlie, I don't, he wouldn't have been able to save Charlie. I'm convinced of it. Mm -hmm. And Jack was so tunnel-visioned in his, you know, in his anxiety and obsessive nature to find uh, Charlie and Claire that he wouldn't have found the hatch if he went the other way, right? So you needed these two men to take these two paths for them to do what they needed to do to further uh, their own, I don't know, what what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not prophecy, but their- Destiny? Their that destiny on the island, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, and I agree with you um, uh, with just about everything that you said. And uh, when I say just about, the, the only tweaks I would make to that are- um, for the most part, you're absolutely right. These are these are two different paths that these two men take, not just for this episode, but for the course of the series. Uh, I do believe that Jack kind of makes a shift at the end and he becomes more. And this is the whole man of science, man of faith, um, you know, destiny of the two of them. You're, you're right. Jack is that man of science. Locke is that man of faith. And I, I do think that by the end of the series, Jack kind of makes a little bit more of a shift into that man of faith. 
rather than man of science, but Locke is pretty consistent. He never takes that shift. He's constantly that man of faith throughout his entire run on the series. When it comes to your point of, you know, if they, if the paths were switched and, you know, would Jack and Kate have found the hatch? Would Boone and Locke have found, you know, Charlie? I, I agree with you in that I don't think Jack and Kate would have found the hatch because it, it's nothing they would have ever even conceived of anything being in existence. Whereas Locke had that belief that he was he was looking for something more. I think he I think in part right. he was looking for Charlie. It's it was one of his driving forces, but he knew in his mind there was still something else out here, and he was he was going to find it. Well, right. I I that's what I was saying. Okay. He uh, I. Uh, that I, I I don't think he was looking for Charlie and Claire after after a short time after yeah. splitting up. But I, but I also think if had Lo, had Locke and Boone found Charlie, I think it would have been a little bit different. And I now granted, I think Charlie would be dead. Well, it, had they found Charlie in the state that he was in, you are absolutely right. They would not have been able to resuscitate him. We would have lost Charlie. But I think the difference between the two dynamics of Locke and Jack is Jock, Jock, Jack went head on with no regard for making noise or anything, which is very made it very obvious to Ethan that he was being followed. Locke, on the other hand, is somebody who's a tracker. He He's quiet. He does things with regard to what he's doing. He watches his steps. I don't know if Ethan would have known that Locke was behind him. And had Locke found Charlie, Charlie would still be alive because Ethan would not have even known. Maybe. I mean, Boone's chatty. That's true. That's true. So maybe it's different if Locke was on his own. Yeah. They would have found Charlie alive and they would have found where Ethan was. But you're right. I think Boone screwed it up. Boone would have screwed it up. <laughs> As he does most things. Yeah, he does. Um, it that- was I, I liked how Locke was trying to tell people to do their jobs. He's like, listen, I, I know how to track. I know how to hunt. Let me do this. You know, you go be the doctor. OK, you're the doctor. Go be the doctor. And he went. And what's funny is that he went and he was the doctor. Yeah. Right. He found Charlie. I. You know, that that despite everything about, you know, Jack being the worst, he saved Charlie. So, you know, he did his job. He gets a few points. He did his job and he did it well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that- so, yeah, that that was my number one. And just in the fact that, um, you know, you really, really get get kind of the sense of man of science, man of faith kind of in your face. Two, the same search conducted by two different groups led by two very different men and just kind of how that how that went. And I enjoyed that. No, I agree with you, too. I think that's a great number one, because that's something I never even really explored watching it was the I never even really put into thought the the whole dynamic of man of science, man of faith when it came to searching for Charlie. So I'm, I'm glad that was your number one, because that's something that was even a revelation for me as well. Oh, cool. So I also like it that uh, if we could go right into notes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that Sawyer Sawyer is making fun of of uh, I, who was it? I think Kate's Kate's whole thought on everything by saying, what, you think that there's like this group of natives that are <laughs> yes. taking people, blah, blah, blah. And he nails it. He's, he's, 100% yep. nails it. Yeah, he, he hit him right on the head. 
He hit it right on the head when he's when he's talking about that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm talking about Sawyer too. Sawyer has so many great moments between these two episodes. Uh, you know, other than swimming in the waterfall with his jeans on <laughs> too. Uh, even the moment with him and Walt. Um, you know, where Walt is pretty much telling this guy straightforward, like, look, th- this is how it is. And, you know, Sawyer just kind of who he was talking to is talking to Walt. Yeah. Okay. Not so that Kate. was, so that was yeah, the that same was moment. The yeah. So yeah. And, and Sawyer just not giving a damn and just like making that, that comment about like, what do you think? There's a bunch of natives. There's a bunch of natives in the jungle that are taking pregnant women and. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it because I'm like, yeah, actually, Sawyer, I do. Yeah. That's what's happening. Um, One of the other things I wanted to bring up, too, is I don't know if this is something else you picked up on, but other than there's a lot of clues to the future of this series. Obviously, we're seeing the beginnings of the whole journey that Locke and Boone take together with the hatch. Mm -hmm. We got the discovery of the hatch that they make at the end of episode 11. Big uh, discovery, yeah. Yeah. So, and I can't wait to explore the hatch even more because there's yeah. so much great stuff that happens with the hatch, uh, both in discovery and when we find out what's inside. But also, you know, we're, we're getting the, the beginnings of the relationship between Saeed and, and Shannon. Uh, but on top of that, there's a very quick reference to something in this episode that does, in fact, play a larger role very much later into the series. We're talking like seasons, like I think like five and six is when this finally comes into play is there's that moment where, and I think it's, it's in episode 12 where everything is being washed away. And Saeed makes the comment that this is very unorthodox, that these tides are moving. There's something going on with, this place that these tides are moving in as, as fast and the tides are changing as quickly and as rapidly as they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not until again, season five or season six that they start to explore that a little bit more when they talk more about the location of where the island actually is. See, and I just took it as the island was moving them inland. Like the island didn't want them on the beach anymore. Well, it could be that too. That's something I never even really thought about as well but i i thought of it when i heard that line in this rewatch i thought more of like okay this is an anomaly of the island and we'll get to more anomalies later right and i guess i took that as yeah so i so you took that as what what where the island is and and what what that has to do with it and i took that as you know the island is this like the island is a character of itself it is right yeah so it's it was very clear to me that the island would like them to go into the jungle. Well, we all, we also find out too, and this is one of the main reasons why I thought of the, my thought process on this was with tides really do go in correlation with time. And, you know, people are able to predict the time of day just by the tides when they're on the beach. And we do find out later that time works very differently on this island. Oh, which, yeah. Which is why I put the two of those things together. The tides are acting differently than they normally expect because time acts differently on this island. It's just not something yes. they're aware of yet. Yes, yes. So that's why yes. I put the correlation of the two together. No, I like that. I do like that. It's just funny that, that the same line provoked us to think two different things. Yeah. I, I love that about this show, you know, and that we're both right. Yeah, exactly. Neither one of us is wrong. 
Right. Exactly. That's the best part. <laughs> but it, I mean, for you, you're always wrong. So it well, must feel good to be right right now. Hey, a squirrel finds a nut every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> but you know, it goes, it goes a little bit further on to what we were talking about last week, especially with our friend Steve and his voicemail of like what his first watch through of this, he didn't think this shoe, this, the writers knew what they were doing. And now he's rewatching season one and he's completely different. He's like, no. These guys knew what they were doing. And if what I'm saying is true, which I think it is, and I think we're, as you said, we're both right. These guys knew, these guys had a plan for this Mm -hmm. show, for this story. They knew and they were setting stuff up way in advance for what they were going to be doing. So come seasons five and six, when people were really starting to feel like these guys don't know what the hell they're doing, they're just writing without an ending in mind. I don't believe that to be true at all. I think these guys, I think these guys knew exactly what they were doing. Maybe they didn't know exactly how they were going to get to the points they were getting to at times, but they knew where they were going. They probably also didn't think that Walt would go through puberty so quickly. (laughs) That too. They had to get him off the show. (laughs) Yeah, that too. And I think that's one of the reasons why, as I mentioned, there's more to Walt, which we're actually going to talk about next episode because one of the next two episodes we're going to talk about are the Walt and Michael backstory. But um, you're right. I think that's one of the reasons why they couldn't exactly explore more of Walt because they kind of had to find a way to get Walt off the show. And it would have been nice if they could have kept Walt and Michael on the show more. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think it would have it it would have done something very positive for the show to keep those two on because I think you know the more you learn about them, the more you really um, uh, cared about them. You know what? I once they had to get Walt off, I just don't think they knew what to do with Michael's character anymore. Too, um, Michael's character kind of well, you you'll we'll you'll talk find about out, her, but <laughs> yeah. His character. You know what, though? He's not that likable either. I mean, he's just like, maybe I'll have my own group, too. And Locke's like, yeah, that's a great idea. You go south. I'm going north. And like, (laughs) you know, when you act like a child and you get somebody mature that's talking back to you and says, "Okay, great. I love that idea. You go do that. And I'm going to go do this. And then we'll compare. Maybe we'll find them faster. Right. And and the child in the situation is like, well, that's not what, what, you know, the what I wanted to happen. I wanted him to say, no, no, you should come with me or something like that. You know, I mean, Michael spends so much time looking for validation and really what he needed to do was just, I don't know, talk to his son. Yeah. Be a dad. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny too, is because we're starting to see just as we saw son kind of come into her own and kind of hold her ground to gin, we're starting to see the same out of Walt now. Like Good. Walt's, Walt's starting to get to the point where like, you know what, dad, I'm not going to take your shit. You know, cause when he's talking, when they're talking about that and how Walt wants to offer to help Michael to look for, you know, look for Charlie and Walt tells him like, no, I want you to stay here. And like, I don't want you to, to be with Locke and, and stuff. Or he, I forget exactly that how the whole conversation plays out, but you know, Walt is, Michael tells him like, why don't you go off and do, you know, whatever. And Walt stands up and he's like, you know what? Maybe I will. Because Walt's getting tired of Michael's shit. And he's learning to be, it's weird. It's, it's kind of like, and I compare it to Walking Dead. It's kind of odd to do that. But the same way that Carl was brought up in that world and he became a man of that, in that world because of that world, we're kind of seeing the same thing happen to Walt. He's, Becoming a man because of the situation that he's in. 
and he's not going to let his father push him around. Yeah, except Rick was actually doing stuff and things, and Michael's just complaining. Well, well, you know, Mike, um, you know, Rick was telling Carl to stay in the house and all that fun stuff. Who and you know, Carl also had a mom. Very, very <laughs> true. That for a while, at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yikes. Um, <laughs> what there was something else that I wanted to talk about that had something to do with that. Oh well, that's okay. The oh, uh, Boone had my favorite line of. Uh, season of uh episode 11 when he said they teach you how to predict the weather at a box company <laughs> and you know what's so funny about that scene too is it totally reminded me about just that scene in particular when Locke tells boone you know he used to be the managing supervisor of a box company we made boxes and i remember watching the episode for the first time being like being, I think having that same curiosity that, that Boone did in that, like, you worked for a box company, but you know all this shit that you know about, like, tracking and how to hunt and all this stuff. Like, I don't think you're being serious. And then eventually we do find out that he's telling the absolute truth, but it made me think about when you, when you remember who the owner of the box company was. And how much these stories intertwine with each other. Like these guys all, these guys were all a part of each other's lives before they ever met. That is such a good call. And it's just, I like, I love that. That's one of my favorite things about this show is the fact that their lives, again, they were already involved in each other's lives before they ever met. Yeah. And I love that about this show. I totally agree with you. And we haven't even gotten to that point yet in discussions. So, I mean, it's just, I love it. So, uh, any other notes on your end outside of what we've talked about? Um, let's see. I don't think so. Talked about almost everything. Hurley and the $20,000. <laughs> um, we find out about one of Kate's aliases, Maggie, uh, I think it was Rice. I think so, yeah. I know Maggie was right. I don't remember the last name. Um, talked about the hunt and Ethan and Charlie's death scene and uh, Lazarus scene. And yeah. How uh, about you? The only, o- the only other note I have, and it's basically more just an opinion yeah. uh, to see if you agree with me or not. We get that confrontation of Jack and Ethan. And... Jack is a big guy. He can hold his own, like uh, when it comes to a fight. But Ethan whooped his ass, yeah, like he without does. hesitation. And I'm wondering. We know from the future of the show that we've seen. We see Ethan. You know, we know who he is. What he did before this, he was simply like a medical specialist. Mm-hmm. Do we think being on this island made Ethan a hardened person, or? Are Ethan and Jack still pretty equal footing, but Jack was just very overzealous in his quest to find Charlie. And it was very, and because of that, he was easily overtaken. So I'm going to say kind of a spoiler about Ethan right now. Um, if you haven't watched the whole show, um, but Ethan was born on the island. So I, that's right. And he, he was able to leave it for other things. Right. 
but he was yeah. born on the island. So I don't think that the island has anything really to do with his strength. But I do think that it just that being with the others and having to survive in the jungle and having to kind of infiltrate the group and just, you know, be a guy that probably has had to do some yucky stuff for Ben Linus. Um, I think that that probably makes him more hardened than anything else. And he had an alcoholic father and he had, you know, he had a lot of probably had to fight off his dad a couple of times. Um, you know, Jack just kind of sulked in the corner and brooded about his daddy as he was a doctor living in a million dollar house. Okay. I don't know. I think it's so, no, it's fine. Again, that's why I said like, this is completely opinion poll. We never Mm -hmm. get an answer to this. So it's, it's not, it's something, it's basically just how we look at it. So that's why I was asking was, do you see this as in Ethan is legitimately a badass or Jack was just off his game because of his eagerness to find one, his eagerness to find Charlie and two, being completely caught off guard by Ethan. Well, he was probably exhausted too. I mean, he'd been at a full sprint in the jungle for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit yeah. of both. Maybe the Ethan is just, he's, you're right. He's, he's a little bit of a hardened person because of what he's had to deal with in his upbringing. But Jack was also really tired. So he was very easily overtaken. So it's a little bit yeah, of both. I would agree with that. Interesting that so. they both are, uh, uh, doctors and they both had alcoholic fathers. Yeah, it's very true. You're you're talking about two people that are very similar and on opposite ends of of one thing. Mm. Well, yeah. Jack's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's so funny about that too is Jack's the worst. Worst, and we were talking about this last week in that uh, Ethan is not a bad, not as bad of a person as we are led to believe. Yes. At least we find that out later on. Yeah. So, and that's, you know what, again, like I mentioned the whole interaction between the characters and their lives being intertwined, but that's another great thing about this show is that when we talk about these things, you know, especially between you and I, uh, there are so many things that are not definitive and can be totally up to perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, as in like, what did, what did that comment with the tides mean? Like, does it have something to do with the island later? Or is it more of the island trying to push the inland, like you said? Or this whole thing with Jack and Ethan? Like, why is it that Jack lost? Well, it could be because, so you know, it, it could be a little bit of both, as we mentioned, or it could be one or the other. It's, it's all a matter of how you look at it. And it's always interesting to hear the differences and dynamics of people who look at things differently. Well, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite episodes I'd say is, um, actually I forget what season it's in, but it's the plane crash from the other's point of view. And I love that episode. I love just because you saw what everybody was doing in the jungle when they saw the plane crash. And I don't know what it was about that episode, but I really enjoy I like different perspectives. I like seeing what everybody else is doing and where everybody else comes from. And um, anyways, you get you get a nice little look into the the others. Yeah, that's um, the other 48 days. Is the as that, is that episode. that's not the back of the plane episode. That's no, that is that is that's the back of the plane. No, no, episode. I meant the others when they're. Oh. Ben Linus and um, they're all going to like book clubs and stuff like that. Oh, that I think that's the season three premiere. Yeah, that that is a great episode. 
Yeah, I think I think that was either the season three or season four. I'm pretty sure it's season three. Okay. So so yeah, because yeah, because that's the one where we see like this whole natural habitat yeah. of these guys living peacefully on an island, and then all of a sudden, a plane. you see the yeah, plane right. cra- breaking apart above them. Like, and it's like, okay, now, now we're going to find out which some shit. Which was cool, which was very cool. You got a lot of answers in that episode. A lot of much needed answers. Like, they did the fans a real service by doing that episode, and I thought it was really good. It's one of my faves. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who says this show was horrible can suck it. Suck it. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. I think that's going to do it for the discussion about the, um, the episodes. Yeah. Which... That was uh, that was fun. I can't wait to talk about these more. Um, I uh, or almost want to like more slow episodes. down one episode at a time, just because it's going to get real complicated soon. We might have to do that after season one. To be I honest. would like it if we did that. Um, if anybody opposes that, let us know. But I would love to slow it down a little bit, just because it's going to get really complicated soon, and it would be nice to just slow down and take our time if we can. I, no, I think you're right. I think I think we push through season one the way we've been going, and then once we hit because season once we hit the end of season one, we're going to be the last episode of season one that we're discussing. We're actually talking about three episodes <laughs> because Exodus was part one and part two, but Exodus part two was an hour and a half. <laughs> So it was two back-to-back episodes. So the two-part finale, in essence, is actually episodes 23, 24, and 25. Yay! So it's going to be a longer episode. It's going to be a longer discussion by us because there is a lot that happens in the season finale. Sounds like we need um, a special guest. I think we do. Uh, so I think we're going to have to figure out who we're going to bring on for that one. But I think you're right. I think after we hit – I think after we wrap up season one and we start going into season two when we're – Diving into the hatch and there's, you know, and the others and the, the, the other half of the plane. Yeah, I think we're going to have to slow it down to one episode episode. Okay, good. I think you're good, right. good. I was hoping that you would agree. I, even, it doesn't matter if I agreed or not. You would basically just say this is what we're doing. I, I ain't no Jack. <laughs> that's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> I'm a man of faith. Uh- <laughs> Uh, yeah, so now that we're done talking about the, the breakdown of the shows, let's jump into listener feedback. And once again, we have a voicemail of our buddy Steve. Uh, so let's play that for you so we can listen. Hey, Ben and Kristen, it's Steve. A uh, couple notes for Lost's episode 11 and 12. Uh, I, I got a good laugh out of when Sawyer showed concern for Jack by saying you're the only doctor on the island. I thought it's, it's about time some show was concerned about its doctors, um, not, you know, anyway, um, so I thought, uh, you know, Walking Dead could probably learn something from that, um, the clashes between Locke and Jack, we're starting to see those come to a head now, um, Jack just irrationally running through the jungle after Claire, because he's blaming himself for her, um, being lost, um, and, uh, Kate's a tracker, but, okay, um, Sawyer, uh, Sawyer's recap, recap of everything that had gone on was surprisingly accurate uh, as far as, you know, Ethan. So there's somebody else on the island, and they infiltrated somebody into our camp to pretend they were one of us. It was, it was just funny that he recapped pretty, pretty much exactly what happened. Um, 
uh, Hurley really could pay twenty thousand to to Walt. I thought that was that's kind of funny that we don't know that yet. Uh, we finally get the discovery of the hatch. Um, Sawyer and Kate frolicking in the water in, in episode twelve, and then being reminded of the reality by finding those dead bodies. Um, there's a great line from Saeed when he's talking to Shannon, where he says, "Perhaps some things are best left untranslated." Uh, and we see the beginning of the Saeed Shannon relationship, which I I really liked. Um, I'd forgotten about Rose praying with Charlie. I thought that was a, it was it was not it was kind of a throwaway scene almost. And it was real quick, and you might miss it because they cut away from it so quickly. But uh, that is so important for understanding her faith and then what happens later with her character. So anyway, uh, look forward to hearing what you guys say. Bye. Oh, thanks, Steve. Uh, we had a lot of the same notes, too. I, yeah. I, I loved um, I loved Rose praying as well. I actually had totally forgotten that she did that until um, – until we, until I saw it again as well. And I loved it because, especially with the fact that Charlie uh, was so devoutly Catholic before he turned to drugs and he wanted to actually study to be a priest. Uh, you know, it, I, I liked it that he ran into Rose when he was having uh, his PTSD and he was able to just kind of be vulnerable with her. I think she was probably the safest person to do that with. Um, so it was really, it was a very lovely scene. No, I, I agree with you completely. And it's, it's um, again, I mentioned that earlier in that Charlie is just part of the two biggest emotional moments of these two episodes. He's some way involved. And that's, that was one of my favorite ones from Rose too. And I still find it so, I, now I find it comforting in the fact that she, just has so much faith that not only, you know, praying with Charlie in that, you know, God could help Charlie, but she still has this faith that her husband Bernard is still alive. And as viewers at this point, we don't know, but we find out later whether or not her faith is, is real. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I find that so interesting. I gotta tell you, I believed her from the oh, moment. Oh yeah, you you mentioned it. Yeah. From, from the moment she said it, I believed her. Sometimes you just know, you know, yeah. and uh, she is, she's an incredible uh, character of faith. And and I appreciate that. You know, I'm sure if we were to diagram every single one of these characters, they all serve a purpose and a role. Um, and I'm sure we can even file them into faith and science categories and then kind of go out from there as well. I love diagrams and lists. <laughs> <laughs> My inner Leslie Nope is showing right now. Yeah. I was just thinking of a character to compare it to. And Leslie Nope is like the perfect example. I'm breaking, I'm, I'm waiting for you to either break out like graphs and diagrams like Leslie Nope or break out like binders like Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Or my label maker, like Monica. <laughs> that's that's very very true. Either way, I'm that. the uptight nerdy list maker. Cool. We had to we had to get that Friends reference in there somewhere. <laughs> it has to happen every single time. <laughs> every episode. Uh, you know, two other interesting points too that Steve made in in his voicemail. Uh, he brought up that line by Saeed. Uh, you know that in sometimes th some things are best are just best left untranslated, and it's such a I. There, it's such a beautiful line 
mm-hmm. that we just never really talked about. We didn't explore it for some reason, but it, it is. It's just it, – it, it doesn't – I don't really feel like it has anything pertaining to do with the island, but it's just one of those things that I think is said to, to Shannon, one, to help her realize she's a better person than she believes in herself, mm-hmm. and two – it's just a life lesson in general. I think that it also could be a lesson for some lost fans that just gave up on the show too. Listen, not everything is always going to be answered. And while it's frustrating and that's probably maybe why people are so frustrated with the show, but that's life, man. I mean, yeah. you you live this life and sometimes you get answers and sometimes you don't get answers, you know? Um and that's kind of the beauty and the tragedy of life and i think saeed does say it say it very well when he says some things are better left untranslated you know and and that's one of those points that i think lindelof and cruz made by the end of the series when people were saying like hey there's still questions that are unanswered and i think one of the points that they made was look in life not every question gets answered and some people were thinking well that's just a cop out that's just what they're saying because there's stuff that's not unanswered and i don't think that's the case at all i think they left this true to life like look there's going to be some stuff we still don't know about by the end of this and that's the way it played out by the end of the series not every question that we have throughout this show gets answered like polar bears or Walt's abilities <laughs> <laughs> so or, or the three or the three toed statue or polar bears <laughs> <laughs> I think polar bears gets answered. Nope, no. Because there's bear enclosures at a Dharma thing. It's a polar bear. They were there bear. for research. It's a they were polar for... bear. Oh. All right. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Later. <laughs> oh, and the other point too that he made the comparison to Walking Dead, uh, in that people care for doctors, and Walking Dead could make a uh, a point to pay attention. You know, they really, they that. really did try to try to um protect what's his face in this last season of walking dead so i forget his name all of a sudden he's a newer character i forget a lot of stuff about this last season of walking dead what but was anyway, his name i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember to be completely honest Ugh. so all right uh, but um yeah i think that's gonna about do it for this episode um i do want to say well, you know what? Let's do the plugs and the ways that we can contact us, and then we'll we'll say a couple more words before we get out because there's one thing I want to say before we leave. Um, but if you do want to contact us, as we mentioned earlier in the show, especially whether it's just to tell us something about what you thought of the episode or if you are indeed, in fact, interested in being a guest, uh, the ways you can reach us. First off, we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Lost Revisited. We're on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. Uh, you can contact us. But, uh, via email at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record it yourself and send it to our email address. You can send it to Messenger. If you have our phone numbers, you can send it to us by text. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and of course, we encourage you to check out the rest of the podcast, both on the Next Level Podcast Network and the Podcastica Network as well. Like um, Ben's podcast, DC Primetime. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, but I'm glad you did that because that was actually what I was going to bring up. Good. Uh, one of the things – well, no. I wasn't going to bring up DC Primetime. I was going to plug you um, and yours because I want to just say this. 
I listened to the latest. We we show a lot of love to like the Strange Indeed podcast and, and the rest of the podcast, like a network podcast. Uh, and there's uh, so many great podcasts on both networks with DC Primetime on mine and Showcast Spotlight on mine and uh, Melting Pat and Two Fat Dudes and, and a bunch. But you guys on Podcastica just recently released the latest episode of the Walking Dead cast. And it was the Women of Podcastica episode, which I absolutely loved. Oh. You were a part of it. Rima was a part of it. Uh, Karen and Lucy and the four of you ladies together. Um and it wasn't just because you plugged me in this podcast at the beginning of it. Uh, <laughs> and you did talk a couple minutes on Lost um, about it and your love for Desmond. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but just the dynamic of the four of you together, I really hope Jason lets you guys do more later. We would like really to do, do more. Yeah, we uh, we came away from that episode very happy and very empowered and very um, – just really accomplished. I think it was something that was a long time in the making. We um, we had four different time zones and two different continents to work with, uh, so it was it was very difficult to get it going. But it was so worth it, and I appreciate you listening and liking it because we had I, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it, it was so much fun. I mean, you 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 came together, you fought to the fence, and. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of my favorite parts of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie, so much so that I made that sound clip and I posted it in the in the group yeah, online too. Thanks. But uh, to any of our listeners that are, are are looking for other stuff, especially female listeners that are listening to this, I highly recommend su- subscribe to the Walking Dead cast and listen to that last episode, the Women of Podcast again. It was so brilliant, and I applaud all four of you guys for that. Oh, thank you, thank you. So. Uh, but any other last words before we get out of here? No. All right. <laughs> Simple enough. <laughs> you? Uh, but no, not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, but next episode, as I mentioned, will be September 1st is when you'll be able to hear that. We'll be talking about episodes 13 and 14, uh, 13 Hearts and Minds, which is the Shannon and Boone double flashback, uh, which again, we find out some interesting things that happened that I did not see coming, uh, between the dynamic of those two. And then episode 14 is special, which is the Michael and Walt. So another double flashback. We're getting flashbacks to four characters in two episodes. Yay! Uh, for this one. And two characters we haven't gotten flashbacks from yet either. Yes. Or four characters we haven't gotten flashbacks yes. yet. Yes. Uh, you know, we so, haven't seen Jin in a while, too. No, we, we really haven't. I think it was probably because uh, that actor was off still learning Korean. Oh, uh, I. <laughs> God bless Daniel Day Camp, man. I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm working with agents and publicists to try and get some of these guys on. And, um, there are so many of them that I want to talk to. I would love to talk to Daniel Day Kim, obviously Josh Holloway. Uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, I think, um, okay, uh, um, Evangeline Lily. I, I think Evangeline Lily would be very difficult at this point because of the success of Ant Man and Wasp. 
But uh, there's so many of these actors I would love to just spend time with. And the beauty of it is, too, that when I'm sending out these emails to try and get these guys on, I'm specifically putting in the emails that this is a lost podcast. We will very obviously promote any projects that they are working on and we'll talk to them about anything they want to talk to. But we we just want to get inside their heads about this show mm-hmm. and working on this show. Mm-hmm. So they're well aware if and when they come on that this is what we're going to be focusing on is this show. Yeah. Oh, good. So, so we'll, we'll see. We're, we're getting a little bit closer. Like I said, in between seasons is hopefully when we'll be doing that, but it'd be nice to have Terry O'Quinn on while Castle Rock is still going on too. I got to start that. I have to start So it. good. What, how many episodes are there? Five. Five so far? Yeah. Okay. You could, you right could now, easily do it by the end of today. I, I could, but right now I'm, I'm getting as far into Fear the Walking Dead as I can as possible. Oh, before Sunday. The new, the new season starts on Sunday. So I don't Sunday. know if I'll be caught up by the mid-season premiere this Sunday, oh, but I will definitely be caught up by next week. Okay. All right. I will be joining you in the discussion. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next time, uh, we'll see you guys down the road. Take care. Bye. Au ciel d'été, confond ses blancs moutons avec les anges si purs. La mer, bergère d'azur infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, ces grands. Roseaux mouillés, voyez ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer les a bercés le long des golfes clairs.